أعوذ بالله من الشيطان الرجيم بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيدنا محمد وآله الطاهرين السلام عليكم brothers and sisters and welcome to session number 19 of the A Lesson Per Page Quran program Today we will be beginning with page number 83 of the Holy Quran So Allah says that uh, take care of the big ones so you don't have to worry about the little ones. This um, page or the verse that we have in this page, it's, uh, it's very hope-inspiring in my opinion. It's very hope-inspiring. At the same time though, it can be a little scary because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is speaking about how He will um, forgive our little sins as long as we take care of the big ones. So in a sense, we're like, okay, good. We don't have to worry too much about everything. But at the same time, we're like, wait a second. If I don't take care of the big ones, then even the small ones, I'll be held accountable for. So <laughs> it's a double, kind of like a double-edged sword here. Um, and of course, this is something that you that you get in Islam. You get a lot of khawf and a raja, which means God holds you like in the middle, it seems. Islam holds you in the middle um, of things. Not too much hope, but not too much lack of hope either and hopelessness, no. Uh, if you do what you need to do and you try to an extent, you should be set, inshallah. That's what it is. But if you slack off, it's not like God's going to take care of everything for you either. So you're, they're keeping you a little on the edge of your seat, so to speak. And so at the same time that it is hope-inspiring, at the same time, like, you got to be careful not to get yourself in trouble. Let's recite the verse, inshallah. And this is verse number 31 of Surah An-Nisa. A'udhu billahi minash shaytanir rajeem. In tajtanibu kaba'ira ma tunhawna anhu nukaffir ankum sayyatikum wa nudkhilkum mudkhalan kareema. If you avoid the major sins that you are forbidden, we will absolve you of your misdeeds and admit you to a noble abode. Alright, so the big question will be when the Qur'an says if you stay away from the big ones, right? The uh, major sins here, the translation says, كَبَائِرَ مَا تُنْهَوْنَ those The big ones of that which you are forbidden. If you stay away from those, you should be set. Alright, so the question will be what are the big ones? What are the... Uh, Dhunub al-kabira, the great sins, and what are the minor sins? How do we uh, identify these? Now, of course, there's a book by Ayatollah Shahid Dasghib Shirazi, who, uh, in which he, it's, I think it's translate. The title is uh, the Greater Sins. I think that's what it is. In Farsi, it's Gunahan al-kabira. It's a very famous book. A lot of brothers and sisters out there have this book already. And you see it in their shelves. Um, and in that book, I think he goes through maybe 40, if not more, um, of the greater sins, those sins that you can consider a kabira sin. Now, it's not set in stone that just because he said it, it's the case, but you know, he, I think one can be kind of sure that uh, you know, he's got it right to a good extent. But yeah, so anyone who wants can go there. But like, what is the definition? 
there will be different definitions maybe here and there that one will find for a great sin, okay? But what you will usually come across is that great sins don't have a, a, a specific definition where you can easily identify, but to an extent it'll be helpful to know that those sins that Islam has avowed fire and hellfire and punishment for are the great sins, okay? And this, you know, is taking inspiration from hadiths that we have by Imam Baqir, Imam Sadiq, Imam Rida alayhim salam in which uh, the hadiths are, they say something to the effect of those that Allah has promised hell for are those great sins. Al-Kaba'ir allati Allah has promised hellfire for them. Not every sin, brothers and sisters, you find in the Quran or in the hadiths will necessarily be followed by uh, a hellfire and punishment from Allah and so on. If you remember, maybe it was our last session or two sessions ago, I'm not uh, sure, but we did cover the red lines of Allah that are not supposed to be crossed, that have the potential to get you in the hellfire forever. We talked about that. So those are definitely going to be great sins because hellfire has been promised for them. So, but that's not the case with all sins, that they will be a fi high, fi Allah will specifically say that you're going to go to hellfire for this. We don't have this for all sins. So that is usually what you'll find when it comes to having a measuring stick to be able to identify um, these, uh, these great sins. Okay. So just like how we, saw, we talked last, uh, in our last session about tawbah and how we're not perfect individuals, right? And so we always need that door of tawbah to be open. This is even an extra step helping us even more, right? Sometimes you'll say, okay, we have tawbah for the great sins and the small sins. Sometimes you'll say we have tawbah for the great sins and the small sins, inshallah, will be forgiven by Allah if we try our best to stay away from the great sins. So this is even more bonus and more lenience uh, or leniency by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? This just shows how much mercy He has, number one. And number two, how important it is for Him for us to make it, okay? So, having said all of that, I do have, there is a disclaimer here, okay? We can't get too relaxed and feel too good um, about ourselves either. Why? Because sometimes the small sins can turn into big sins, can be counted as big sins. Right, so I have a list here about five or six things that I want to share with you where a small sin might qualify as a big sin. Number one, we have a hadith by Imam Sadiq, La Sagirata Ma'al Israr. This is a famous one. That the small sins, let's say, I don't know, listening to haram music, okay? Let me open a parenthesis here, by the way. Not all music is haram, but lots of times the stuff that, the good stuff that people want to listen to in this day and age, the youth want to listen to, lots of times those are going to be haram, okay? But, I mean, the criteria is, uh, has been mentioned by the maraja, and I'm not anyone to uh, uh, identify for you which is haram, which is halal. Every person, it's them and their own discretion when it comes to this matter. But anyway, let's just assume 
that you know listening to haram music is one of the minor sins assume i don't know assume um so parentheses closed for that uh, music uh, example what if someone listens to it all the time the haram music every day does israr on it israr means to insist on something to not let go of something all right sometimes you you commit a small a minor sin right and you're like okay you, you, you don't go back to it okay that's a minor sin but then if you do israr according to this hadith if you insist on it and you just continue then it's going to turn into a major sin so that's one thing to keep in mind Another example of a minor sin that can turn into a major sin in Nahjul Balagha, it says, The greatest of sins is the one who's, the one who's committing it feels like, uh, who, who downplays it, who doesn't take it serious. Sees it as, he, sees, he, he or she sees it, he sees it as, as small and insignificant. The sin might be small, but you've all heard probably, the one you are disobeying is huge. Allah is huge. So no matter how small this sin, at the end of the day, don't consider it small because you are disobeying someone who, it don't get more significant than that. It don't get bigger and greater than that. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So here according to this, sometimes the sin might be small, but the way you look at it might make it into a big sin. Another example, when you do a small sin, but you do it out of transgression and arrogance, you're like... I'm going to do this because I want to, you know, because I don't care what Islam says about this or what God says about this. Now, we seek refuge in Allah from this and I'm pretty sure no one sins like this, but assuming and theoretically speaking, there is that one loser out there who isn't going to be smart at least when they sin, and I'll talk about that more and I did hint at it yesterday as well in our previous session. If you're going to have that little one little dumb loser out there who just doesn't know <coughs> how to do things right and to at least have the right mindset and mentality even if they make a mistake and, and commit small sins, that person, this sin of theirs can turn into a big sin, one of the kabira sins as a result of the mentality that he has when, when he's committing it or she's committing it. <coughs> so... I don't believe in this. I don't think that this. I, I, I got, Islam said this. Who cares? You know that kind of thing. No, that's going to be a problem. Number four. If the sin is small, but you yourself are an important person, this is something that scholars have pointed out as well. It's pretty cool. Uh, personally, I think it makes sense. Look, if I am representing Deen, if I am an important person, if people look up to me, people emulate me, people follow my example. Whether I like it or not, I can't make a disclaimer and be like, hey people, uh, you know, I'm just a normal human being like everyone else. Don't take me as your role model. Like you are, you have thousands or hundreds of people following you. You have hundreds of people looking up to you, hundreds of people taking advice from you, taking you as their example. This is a, this, if you commit a small sin and they see it, that might affect a thousand people. That might make people feel like, you know, sins aren't that important to worry about. They're not that big a deal. Things like that. You have to be careful about these things. Or man sanna sunnatan sayyatan. The, the hadith, the famous hadith says, whoever establishes a wrong sunnah, a wrong tradition amongst the people, well, and they look up to you, and they're going to take it as a tradition, as something important. Then uh, you know you are going to carry the burden of all those people who acted on 
the tradition that you established. <clears throat> for us as you know, speakers, for us as scholars, uh, and, I, and I personally seek refuge in Allah, there is no guarantee at all for anybody. And we just have to be on our toes all the time, inshallah, and be careful of, of, of shaitan's tricks. But even for uh, you know, speakers or scholars and all of that, they have to be super careful what vibes they give off to people and especially the youth. Are you giving, what kind of vibes are you giving off? Are you making the kids and the youth feel like, um, you know, dunya is of importance, uh, how you dress, what kind of uh, brands you wear and all of that, for example, are important, what kind of foods you eat. It's okay to like good food. It's okay to like, you know, have post, make posts about it on social media, even that's fine. But like, you can't give this feeling to people that these are priority. That's the thing. If I do something and it gives this understanding to others that, yeah, what's, it's important what kind of, what brands I necessarily wear, right, of clothing. It has to be fashionable. It's good to dress nice. It's good to, you know, keep up with whatever is going on in the world of, of, of style and stuff like that. But like, how much importance do I give to people? Uh, do, do, I, do I give to something in the minds and eyes of people who look up to me as an important person, for example? This is important. This is something to keep in mind, inshallah. So going back to what we were talking about, sometimes a small sin committed by a big person can be seen as a big, uh, as a big sin for that person. Although for others, it would have been a small, minor sin. <clears throat> uh, I personally think these are, these, this list of items here makes perfect sense. Another one which is also important. The hadith says, whoever commits a sin while they're laughing about it, they're smiling about it. In other words, they're, they're not, it doesn't bother them that they're sinning. They're not upset about it. They're proud of it. They're happy of it. This person will enter the hellfire while they're crying. It doesn't say small sin or big sin. It says if they're sinning, that's it. But with this condition, that they're just like number two on our list over there, Imam Ali in Najib Balagh, he didn't specify if it's a big sin or a small sin. He said, it doesn't matter. The worst of the sins and the harshest of sins is the one that you commit while you are seeing it as insignificant. So it can be a small sin even. It's, you see, it's, it's unrestricted here. The imam isn't putting any conditions. It has to be big or small. Also, number five on our list, you're laughing about it. You're smiling about it. It doesn't say if it's a big or small sin. The fact that you're laughing about it is enough for it to be a big sin. And finally, um, to take lack of swift punishment by Allah to mean that you are saved from Allah. Sometimes you commit a sin, and this is in the, in the books of our maraja actually. One of the greatest sins is Al-Amnu min Adabillah min Makrillah and so on, things like that, which means that you feel safe from Allah's wrath. You feel like you are secure, you are immune to Allah's wrath. No, no, Habibi, nobody is immune from Allah. Ain't nobody know Allah's cousin out there. Allah got no cousins out there, right? Allah's not going to be like, all right, you're off the hook, cuz. No, you're not. You're, no, no, there is no, no one has any relationship with Allah. The only person who has a good relationship with Allah is the one who's obedient to Allah. Inna akramakum and Allah atqaakum. Those of you who are the most obedient, the most pious towards Allah, those are the ones that Allah is like, okay, we're friends. Other than that, nobody, ain't nobody got no relationship with Allah. Allah's not going to, you know, give you any special treatment and privilege. 
okay? And for you to feel like, you know, I'm immune, I'm safe from Allah's wrath. No, 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 no. So <clears throat> to wrap this up, I, I want to remind us and go back to something I hinted at yesterday as well. And that is that um, uh, we have to at least be smart when we sin, okay? And that dua Abu Hamza that I shared with you in our last session, how Imam Sajjad, he says, he makes it clear to Allah that, Oh Allah, if I am sinning, it's not because I don't believe in you, it's not because I don't, I don't love you, it's not because of this, it's not because of that. It's just a mistake that I made. I'm making this clear. So brothers and sisters, I know this line doesn't sound right, and it's not right. I don't endorse this. But we have to be, at least, we have to be smart when we sin. If we sin. Not when we sin. If we sin, inshallah, we don't. But if we sin, let's not be dumb about it. Let's be smart about it. At least if I'm sinning, let me be upset about it. Not happy or laughing about it. Let me not feel like I am safe from Allah's wrath. That's why I'm sinning. No, 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 I'm not safe at all. But I just can't control myself. Let me make sure that I don't see how small the sin is. I look at how great the Lord that I'm disobeying is. Okay, if someone's going to sin, they should at least try to sin with this mindset and mentality or else they'll get into bigger sin. They'll get into bigger trouble. Their small sin will turn into a big sin, God forbid. And finally, if our all, all everything that I've said so far, okay, is for those of us who look at our um, goal in life and in coming to this dunya as being fleeing from the hellfire and making sure we don't go to the hellfire. For some people, their goal in life is, or the way they see it, is that I have to try my best to do something so that I don't end up in the hellfire. Ayatollah Jawadi Amuli, he says, look, not going to hell isn't too hard. We need to shoot for the stars and see if we can make it to the highest levels of Jannah. That's what we should try. Or else, not going to the hellfire. Look, Allah already gave us two things, tawbah. And He also gave us this promise of in tajtanibu kabaira ma ankum We'll take care of the small stuff if you take care of the big stuff. So He's already taking care of Jahannam for us. Shafa'a, we believe in shafa'a as well and so on. So, this, so far, what we talked about is we want to make sure our small sins don't turn into big sins. This is for those who, this is for those who they see the big, they see their uh, purpose in life as to be, uh, to, to avoid Jahannam. But there will be some who know they want to climb that ladder of closeness to Allah. Then the equation is totally flipped upside down. Everything is going to change. Then it's not about avoiding Jahannam anymore. Okay, I'm not. I'm pretty sure that inshallah I will avoid Jahannam through the grace and mercy of Allah. But even the small sins and disobedience of God is going to hinder my getting closer to Him and climbing that ladder of closeness to Him. And that is the important thing to keep in mind. These orafat, these mystics, these greats. That's how they looked at it. They looked at it as such. They looked at it as every little sin even is one step of me being away from closeness to Him. Who cares about not going to Jahannam or not? Inshallah, that, I mean, that's taken care of. I'm trying, my, I'm trying my best and hopefully I won't go. But I want, every, I want the most I can get out of life. Well, that equals being obedient with the big ones and the small ones. 
and then adding mustahabbat after the wajibat have been taken care of and so on and so forth. Once again, this, uh, this uh, page 83 had a very important point in it and uh, this is one of the bigger lessons of the Qur'an that we needed to spend some time on. So uh, I thought that we would spend some time on it. Let's move on to page number 84. So many people to be good to. All right. If anyone was looking for a list of people that they can be good to, well, page 84 is for them. Um, and that is uh, something that speaks, it gives us a list of about maybe, let's see here, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine groups of people to be kind to and to have ihsan towards. So let us uh, recite the verse and let's talk about it a little bit. Verse number 36 of Surah An-Nisa. وَعْبُدُوا اللَّهَ وَلَا تُشْرِكُوا بِهِ شَيْئًا وَبِالْوَالِدَيْنِ إِحْسَانًا وَبِذِي الْقُرْبَى وَالْيَتَامَى وَالْمَسَاكِينِ وَالْجَارِ ذِي الْقُرْبَى وَالْجَارِ الْجُنُبِ وَالصَّاحِبِ بِالْجَنْبِ وَابْنِ السَّبِيلِ وَمَا مَلَكَتْ أَيْمَانُكُمْ إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يُحِبُّ مَنْ كَانَ مُخْتَالًا فَخُورًا Worship Allah and do not ascribe any partners to Him. And be good to, do ihsan to, who? Number one, parents. Number two, the relatives. Number three, the orphans. Number four, the needy. Number five, the near neighbor. Number six, the distant neighbor. Number seven, the companion at your side. Number eight, the traveler. Number nine, and your slaves. And of course, we don't have slaves anymore in this day and age. But back then when they did, this is one of the categories. I want you to look at this, brothers and sisters. I want you to look at this. It's pretty cool. What did it start with? It started with worship Allah and do not ascribe any partners to Him. Like the most important thing, Tawheed versus Shirk. But then it made its way down to the people. And out of all the different categories of people, all the different groups of people, it ended with the lowest level in society at least of people, which is the slaves. But look at this, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, how great are you? How great are you that you are okay with mentioning yourself and then ending with mentioning a group of people that might be seen as inferior in the eyes of the people and, and society? That is wonderful. That is beautiful. And we've talked about this before, how Allah will sometimes, quote-unquote, bring, bring Himself down for the sake of us, for the sake of society and people. When did I talk about this? When we talked about how Allah says, is there anyone out there to lend me some money? He didn't have to ask us for money especially in the form of a loan, when He's the one who gave us everything, but He does that. Why? So we make the, the right decisions in life. Here also, this is what He's doing. And so the verse ends like this, Indeed, Allah does not like anyone of the conceited, arrogant ones. He does not like anyone of the conceited, arrogant ones. Mukhtalan fakhura. Okay, so let's talk about this a little bit. There isn't too much to cover. I just want to... Uh, um, explain each of these terms. Walidain, the parents. We, we, don't, we might have other pages or verses that we'll take lessons from where, where it talks about parents in particular. So I'm going to leave that for then maybe. Um, but then the qurba comes right after. So parents are, of course, the chosen ones in our relatives. And they themselves, they uh, deserve a special spot. So walidain will never be mixed up with, with dhil qurba, from what I remember. 
Walidain will have its own place and its own mention. Okay, it will have its own honorary mention in verses of the Quran. But then you have the Qurba, the relatives. The relatives themselves, amongst all the believers out there, they also hold a special spot. Even when it comes to helping financially, you'll find that uh, you know there is a list of priorities, and at the top of the list are your relatives. If there are poor people amongst your relatives, that is one of the priorities to take care of them first. Yatama, orphans. To be good to the orphans. They might not even be poor. An orphan might be the richest kid out there. Their mother or father has died. Um, although usually in, a, in an Islamic context, uh, the one whose uh, father has died um, will be referred to as yatim. Although the mother also, you know, you, you will have usages of yatim for that as well, for a child who's lost his mother. But especially if his father has passed away. Okay, maybe all the wealth of the father, which was a, a, a huge amount, has been transferred to the son or the daughter that's alive now and is the, as the orphan. They might be super wealthy now, but doesn't matter. Okay, there is a big hole in their life now and um, we have to be do ihsan to them, meaning be good to them. What else do we have? Masakin, those who are needy now, <clears throat> who might not be orphans and not even relatives of yours, but they're just masakin. Waljari del Qurba. And of course, pay attention here. Masakin doesn't say necessarily that they have, they have to be believers. All in all, Masakin, um, there will be conditions for Islam or Iman when it comes to maybe certain zakat or things like that. But all in all, here, the verse hasn't restricted it to but the believers, the Masakin of the believers. So that's something to keep in mind. Waljari del Qurba. And we're not talking about when it says Ihsan doesn't necessarily mean that we have to financially help. Ihsan means being righteous and good in any way possible. Sometimes Ihsan might even mean to not harm someone and at least be such that we don't hurt somebody, even if we're not doing good to them. At least be such that you're not doing bad to them. <laughs> All right? So, waljari dil qurba, the close neighbor that you have, versus who? Waljari junub, the neighbor that might be far away from you. Okay? That companion of yours, that friend of yours that is at your side, whether you're traveling with them, whether you're a friend of them, you know, in, in some locality that you guys are in, in the same neighborhood, but they're your friend. Okay? You might not, not, not necessarily be friends with all of your neighbors. And that's why the verse is speaking about friends in particular here. Okay? So the one that is at your side of your friends. Ibn Sabil. Ibn Sabil is a it's an Islamic, maybe fiqhi term, you can say. Those people who might even be super wealthy even, but they're traveling and they've got stuck while traveling. They've lost their money. They don't have, they lost their wallet. They don't have anything to help them out now that they're traveling. So they're gharib in a sense to help them. Don't be like, oh, this guy's you know, well off at home, back home. Yeah, but now he's stuck and really a gharib needs help from people. So that's also a person that you want to take care of. And finally, ma malakat aymanukum. Yes, your slaves, the ones you own. As I said, we don't really have this. Any, we don't have this today. But in the past, this was a big thing. This was, there, it was part of the economic system back then. And you know, there's a lot that is said by those who are for and against Islam in regards to slavery. Which, of course, we're not going to get into that right now. But then the day, one of the things that Islam did was that, hey, if you're going to have slaves and you're not going to give it up. 
what you need to do and make sure that you're doing is that you are very kind to them. I want you to compare the verses of the Quran that speaks that speak about the how you're supposed to deal with your servants and slaves, and then I want you to compare it with what we hear of, um, for example, history and what we find in U.S. history and how slaves were treated um, in the past maybe uh, two, three hundred years um, of of the of the U.S. and all the problems that you know were coming about because of that so anyway these are the people that you can be good to when it comes if you want if you're ever asking for a list um, then uh, here you go page number 84 and verse number 36 of surah to niza is giving us a list of the people that we can be good to and that we have to be good to and allah started with his with himself and then brought these nine categories under his name which just really boldens and underscores the uh, importance of these nine categories of people. Inshallah, we um, are careful about that. All right, let's move on to page number 85. We have a key verse, brothers and sisters. Um, and that is that Allah will not commit even an atom's weight of dhulm. This is a key verse, brothers and sisters. What do I mean by key verse? If you remember, Surah to Ali Imran, verse number 7, spoke of this idea of the muhkamat and mutashabihat verses. Verses that are definitive, decisive, set in stone, very clear, no vagueness there, versus the metaphorical, unclear ones that were mutashabihat. And how you're supposed to bring them all together Verses that might not be very clear, bring them together, pair them with clearer verses that are very decisive so that you, you don't misunderstand them or else you are causing fitna, you're after personal interest, things like that. So let's uh, recite the verse. This is an important verse that I want to talk about. As uh, This is uh, verse 40 of Surah An-Nisa. إِنَّ اللَّهَ لَا يَظْلِمُ مِثْقَالَ ذَرَّةِ وَإِن تَكُ حَسَنَةً يُضَاعِفْهَا وَيُؤْتِ مِنْ لَدُنْهُ أَجْرًا عَظِيمًا Indeed, Allah does not wrong anyone even to the extent of an atom's weight. And if it be a good deed, He doubles its reward and gives from Himself a great reward. Alright. So, I would very easily say that this is one of our muhkamat verses. Uh, in my very humble opinion, of course. It is one of our muhkamat verses, and so we're going to use it to help us when it comes to understanding other concepts throughout the Qur'an. So let's talk about dhulm first, okay? Dhulm, inna Allah la yadhlimu mithqala dharra. He doesn't do dhulm. Dhulm usually is, um, is, is translated with the term oppression, right? Um, here it might be better though to use the word wronging someone, to wrong someone. Allah does not wrong anyone or anything, even an atom's weight worth of wronging. Okay, why? Well, it's pretty clear why, because those who wrong others, the reason why they do that is sometimes they might have ignorance. Sometimes the reason for wronging others is, is a need that you have in you or a fear that you have in you, or an obsession that you have in you. You don't even need something, right? You've got 20 pairs of Jordans, man, all right? 20 pairs 
of the Jordan 4s, but a new colorway comes out and you just couldn't get it from the sneaker app, and but your friend did. So what do you do? You wrong your friend by what? Doing what? Either stealing it from him or accidentally spilling some mud on it, on it, on those sneakers when he's wearing them. <laughs> yeah, those, uh, those of you who know, you know how the sneaker game works. You got to keep them clean. You know, lots of people don't even wear their sneakers. They just collect them, you know. But anyway, there's difference of opinion there among scholars. Should you wear your sneakers or not? Some say, hey, people, wear your sneakers that are you collecting. Others say, don't wear them. Anyway, anyway, that's a lot of dunya that I don't want to get into. And I don't want to go against what I was preaching a few minutes ago of uh, not giving off these vibes of what the priorities are of dunya and so on. Um, anyway, a person has 20 pairs. They're not in need of, a, of the 21st pair, right? So what do they do? They will wrong their friend, not out of need, but out of obsession. Hers of dunya, right? And so that's what happens sometimes. So sometimes you wrong others not out of need, but out of just obsession. Although I do have to say this, it's interesting. When you watch these sneaker collectors, if you watch them, they'll say, I need this pair. He has 20 pairs. He's like, I need this new pair. Yeah, you need it for your collection, but you need it to live. I can understand if you have three, four, five pairs, you know, it's okay. Switching them up every now and then, that, that, that kind of thing. But like 25 pairs of one, uh, of one sneaker, and then 25 of another, and then 35 another of another? I don't know how that works. So God, though, is devoid of all these things. Need, ignorance, fear, obsession. He doesn't have any of these. Allah is perfect and perfection and haq and truth and everything. So there's no point, there's no reason for him to do dhulm. Even an atom's weight of dhulm, because that would mean an atom's weight of need, obsession, fear, ignorance in him. He doesn't have any of that. Since it's airtight when it comes to Allah and any flaws, there will be no dhulm. In other words, you can say dhulm stems from a flaw, a deficiency one has. And since Allah has no deficiency, then nothing. Now, there's going to be no absolutely, absolutely, positively no dhulm coming from Him. Now, I just want to point this out. It says, Mithqal adharratin. Mithqal is a unit used uh, for weight and weighing things. Um, that are very small, okay? Sometimes you use pounds and kilograms, sometimes you use maybe ounces for to weigh things, right? And, and it goes even lower than that. Now, one of the lowest units back then was mithqal. Even today, like, if you want to buy gold in, in, a, in a Muslim country or a, or a Farsi-speaking country or Arabic-speaking country, they will use mithqal. Like, if you go to Iran right now, you want to buy saffron, you can buy it in the mithqals, Okay, they will give you one mithqal, two mithqal of it because it's very expensive. Gold, silver, same thing. Um, and there might even be there might even be even smaller units than that. But back then, I, you can say from what from what I remember, I don't think there is a smaller unit back then during the time of the Quran than mithqal. And so the Quran is using mithqal here. Mithqal, okay, weight, an atoms weight. Dharra means a speck, an atom, if you want to say. All right. So, how much does a speck weigh? Almost nothing, right? That's as small as we can get, as 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 light as and as small as we can get. Now, today we, we will translate it to atoms' weight worth. But back then, you could have said you could have said a speck's weight worth of dhulm. Whatever you want to translate this to, it doesn't matter. The point is pretty clear that 
what it's trying to say is absolutely no dhulm coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But forget about dhulm. He's on the other side of the extreme, which is a good extreme. All right? Which, I mean, that is, is even using the word extreme is not a good word to use because it might have negative connotations. But the point I'm trying to make, I think, is pretty clear. Allah is on the other side. Some people will do dhulm. Not only does Allah not do any dhulm at all, He goes all out on the other side of doing good to people. Some people do bad to people, a lot of it. Some people might do bad to people, a little bit of it. Some people don't do any bad at all, but they don't do any good either to people. Neutral. Some people, not only do they not do bad, they'll do some good for people. Some good. But there are some who go out of their way. There are some who will do as much as they can. That's what the verse is saying here. in If there is a hasana that you've done, a good deed that you've done, he will multiply it. He's not just going to be good to you and reward you for it. He's going to multiply it. You did one good deed, I will multiply it by ten. Come on, oh Allah. What are you trying to do to us? You're trying to melt us away because of how kind you are? Like some people, they're so good to you, they just make you melt, right? Because you're just, you just feel so, you just feel so bad in front of them. Like, you, why are you being so good to me? I'm not all that good. I'm not all that. <laughs> what are you trying to do? Melt me out of your goodness? That's how Allah is. Hashtag Allah melts, you know? Allah melts people out of His goodness. That's how it is, brothers and sisters. I mean, these types of verses are the types of verses that one can sit down and just cry about all day. Like, how good are you to me, O Allah? How good? Like, why, why are you so good to me? Do I deserve it? No, of course I don't deserve it. So like, why? What is it? What kind of love do you have for me? All you're asking for is people, do your part, leave the rest to me. That's what he's saying. And not only that, now I, this is my take on the verse. I didn't find any scholars pointing this out. So I'm not going to necessarily say it's right or wrong here, but um, this is my take on it, this verse. Look at how it ends. He says, I'm going to multiply it. That not only will I multiply it, then on top of it, I'm going to put a bonus from myself as well. And gives from himself a great reward. Don't you love it when your boss gives you a raise, Right? He's like, you know, man, you, you do such a good job. And you're so gosh darn good looking. I'm just going to, I just want to keep you. So, you know, I was giving you like 4,500 a month. I'm going to bump it up to 5K a month. And you know what? We've got a holiday coming up. Here's another 5K. Just go have fun with the family. Like the fact that you bumped me up from 4,500 to 5K itself was awesome. But then you add a bonus on top of it too, like, come on, like, thank you, I'll take it. I mean, I'm not going to turn it away. <laughs> but um, there's a funny saying that says, uh, that uh, no one turns away, you know, good. You know, if someone's doing, giving, offering you something good, you take it, why not? The only person who uh, turns away good is Mr. Donkey, Al-Himar, right? You can't, you don't turn away good when it comes your way. Of course, sometimes you have to turn it away for other reasons. You know, there's politics involved, there's expectations, all that. No, I'm talking about just in general. When someone is giving you something good, 
and there's no expectations, there's no strings attached, nothing. This saying, it's a famous saying that, look, what's wrong with you? Why would you reject it? You know, that kind of thing. Anyway, anyway, let's uh, forget about Mr. Donkey right now. Let's move back to what we're talking about here. Not only did he give you the raise and multiply things for you, he adds a bonus. Why not? Now, let's go back to what we were talking about in the beginning of how this verse was a key verse, a muhkam verse in my opinion, okay? That we use to understand other things, other concepts that have, are spread out across the Qur'an. Look, brothers and sisters, there will be many questions people pose based on verses of the Qur'an. For example, يُدِلُّ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَيَهْدِي مَنْ يَشَاءُ Allah guides whoever He wants and misguides whoever He wants. And people will be like, wait a minute, but why would Allah just randomly guide and misguide whoever they want? Now, there will be a solution, an answer to this question, an explanation to it that will do the job really. We have to understand though, sometimes some people won't find the answer to their question. And it seems like Allah is, might be doing dhulm here. Because he's saying, I guide whoever I want and misguide whoever I want. It doesn't matter. It seems like he's saying, no matter how much you try to be good, if I don't want it, if I don't like you, you ain't going to happen. Right? But is that the case? Well, either you can get your, a detailed answer of why this is not the case, or at least you can rest assured because of this verse that we just covered, that the verse that says he guides whoever he wants and misguides whoever he wants, it's going to be in a way that it will not have one speck, an atom's weight of dhulm and oppression and wronging others in it. Now, of course, there are other verses that have somewhat indirectly explained how God guides and misguides whoever, quote-unquote, He wants, right? But all in all, if you don't figure it out ever, you can be sure that it's not in a way that there's any dhulm involved. So it's a good thing, not a bad thing. يُدِلُّ مَنْ يَشَاءُ وَمَهْدِ مَنْ يَشَاءُ all the suffering that happens in the world that we see, why is this person suffering more than that person, all that? Look, in the end, if you're able to figure it out, you figure it out. If not, at least you know that it's not Allah wronging anybody. Why? Because this is a muhkam verse that is shedding light on and casting its shadow over all the other verses and stories in the Holy Qur'an. نَرْفَعُ دَرَجَاتٍ مَنْ نَشَاءُ Surah An'am verse 83, it says, We lift and take above others whoever we wish. Well, that's not fair, is it? Well, no, no, no. Allah says, I don't do anything that's not fair. Where does He say that? Verse number 40 of Surah An-Nisa. So if you're going to interpret this verse, you have to interpret it in light of this muhkam verse. يُؤْتِ الْحِكْمَةَ مَنْ يَشَاءُ Allah gives wisdom to whoever He wants. That's not fair. Wait a minute, wait a minute. Allahu a'lamu haythu yaj'alu risalata. He knows who to make profit and who not to make profit. That's not fair. I want to be profit. Listen, He knows what He's doing. It's based on wisdom. And it's not based on wronging anybody. Who says? Verse number 40 of Surah An-Nisa. So if I'm going to interpret that verse, I'll interpret it in a way that it's not not fair to others. And if I can't figure out the exact interpretation, at least I can rest assured that there is no problem here. So brothers and sisters, this um, I'm happy that we actually had this verse. As an example for the lesson we had on page, or excuse me, verse number 7 of Surah Ali Imran, I don't remember which page it was, but I remember the verse, uh, that, we, that explains to us, this example shows us, illustrates to us at least 
how it works when it comes to the muhkam and mutashabih, how we're supposed to use certain verses to understand others. I'll repeat myself one more time because it's super important, but I'll end after this. That look, sometimes we will not be able to figure out exactly the answer to a question of how something is fair or not. But at least that muhkam verse is telling us, look, there is an understanding of this verse out there that you might not have come across yet and not figured out yet on your own. But be sure and know and rest assured that there will be no wronging others that will come out of that. There will be no Adam's weight of worth of dhulm that is coming out of this story, out of this thing that Allah did, etc. And so on and so forth and, and so forth. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma nawwir qulubana bil Qur'an wa zayyan akhlaqana bil Qur'an wa najjina minan nari bil Qur'an wa adkhilna al-jannata bil Qur'an Allahumma ajal al-Qur'an lana fi dunya qarina وفي القبر مونسا وعلى الصراط نورا وفي الجنة رفيقا ومن النار سترا وحجابا وإلى الخيرات كلها دليلا برحمتك يا أرحم الراحمين والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته